Alright. In Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. <clears throat> Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So last time we were on page 6, and uh, we we're continuing on from... Um, uh, number five, which is that uh, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. And, uh, of course, that's what we just read there. Uh, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And so, <clears throat> that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Letter A, we already talked about this, just catching us up. That, uh, that we may shine as examples of Christ in a crooked and corrupt world. This is the best reason to suppress all ungodly actions or words. And um, then we already looked at all this. So uh, picking up in letter B where we were last week, having this work, uh, this testimony, our lives will be a showcase for the word of life. Verse 16, where it says, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. And so um, the this <laughs> the word of life the knowledge of the truth in Christ that changes man's destiny from hell to heaven in the presence of Christ. And that's what every one of us who have Christ, who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's what every one of us have is a testimony that can point others to Christ. And so that's what our lives are supposed to be, is we are supposed to represent the Lord, represent the hope that we have in Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And so, you know, if anyone else feels like, man, that's that's quite the heavy onus that's put on us as believers, it is. But at the same time, we're not the carriers of this weight. The Lord with us, he carries the weight. And just like we've talked about many times before, that we are to enter into a yoke with the Lord Jesus. And then in that yoke, he carries the vast majority. We, what we do is are just walking with him, walking in obedience with him. And so uh, I've always thought of it as like a, a little kid who's told by his dad, you know, put up your dukes. But your dad is standing over you and he's the one with the strength that's making you knock down the teddy bear or whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the father's strength of the child. And God is the one who's with us. He, and you see this throughout the Old Testament. God tells his people, go and do these things. And he is the one. He is the one defeating the enemies. He is the one that is uh, knocking down uh, the adversities at every uh, at every step. And so what he tells us to do is to be obedient. And so we are to be a showcase for the word of life, the knowledge of the truth in Christ that changes man's destiny from hell to heaven in the presence of Christ. So I have this note. We we started last week, uh, but we didn't finish it. So we are bearers of the sacred knowledge and are to be ready to share it. And so we, we looked at first Peter last week. We rushed right through it. So I'm just going to turn and read it again real quick and finish it up. So First uh, Peter chapter three in verse eight. Well, well, we'll just skip on down to verse 13. And who who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, 
they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil. So you see in this passage, and we've talked about this, but I think many of us, so many much of the time, have this, this beef that when I am trying to do right, I get accused of doing wrong. That's just not fair. And that's not fair, but it is exactly what God told us to expect. It is exactly the life that he has essentially called us to. To, to walk with the Lord and walk uprightly with Him. And when they speak evil of you as of evildoers in the process, then let God do the defending. That's so much of the time what we make a mistake of is feeling like I need to defend myself. How dare you say that? You know, we, we need to walk uprightly. And we have this wonderful example in Scripture. We've mentioned him recently, but we're going to go to Stephen again in Acts chapter 6. What we talked about recently, this is several weeks ago, so you guys may not even remember it. <laughs> Acts chapter 6, verse 9, we, um, we looked at uh, Stephen and how, well, let me just read. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue. So Stephen is, he's a, a deacon, if I remember correctly. Stephen is a deacon, but he's a preacher of righteousness. He's in, he is in the streets. He is telling people the truth. And so verse 9 of Acts chapter 6 Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. And by the way, that's the Holy Ghost. It's not Stephen's wisdom and power. It's the power of God working in Stephen. And that's what we ask God to do in us. And so every time we feel overwhelmed or intimidated, Listen, we need to ask God to help us put that away because it's God in us, not us. It's God in us. So that's that's what we see here. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they, the, 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 the people around him, they suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And God does that as people accuse us of evil doing. (laughs) And listen, we're just fitting right into that mold today. Everywhere you go, the way of Christ, the walking with him, it is going against the grain of culture. And it's shocking to me. I, and I'm not going to go on another tirade. You think I am, but I'm not. <laughs> it is shocking to me how much this country that has been so blessed of God can be so against the source of their blessings. So anyway, <laughs> Stephen is a faithful servant of God. And they, they hire men to speak, to, to accuse him of blasphemy and speaking against the synagogue. And, and that's not the case. Now, what he had to say did threaten the status quo. That's what Jesus did. He often did threaten the status quo because he told them, hey, listen, do what these men say, but don't do after their works because they say and do not. So sure, the Lord Jesus, he was something of a lightning rod. And it was uh, uh, something that made the, the, the leaders of Israel at that time, it, it didn't make them look good. It was exposing them for the truth. Now, listen, 
what the Lord was trying to do is get people to fear and seek God. And and here Stephen is speaking the truth. And so they are hiring men, the suborn men, which said we said we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And so they're lying and they're setting up these uh, these witnesses, these false witnesses. But verse 15 and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And if you read chapter seven, it is quite, quite the indictment against Israel, against the people, because that they had had God leading them and, and bringing them to them. And specifically, I'm sorry, the leaders of Israel and um and so you, you see at the end of chapter seven, they kill him. They bring him out. They they stop their ears. They uh, they run upon him and they stone him. And at the same time, they let me just read verse fifty nine of chapter seven. And they stone Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so, listen, we so often think in terms of, hey, that when when you're on the winning side, that means you're going to prevail and everything's going to come out rosy. Everything did come out rosy, but not in the way that men think of. Stephen was with the Lord Jesus that day, but his life ended in them taking his life. But he stood for the Lord Jesus. He was God's man all the way to the very end. And listen, I, I know of a certainty that Stephen is not ashamed of that day. I know Stephen is thankful for what God did in his life that day. And Stephen is a, is a testimony for God here on earth up until his last day and now in heaven. And listen, would to God that every one of us had God's help to stand for him, whatever today holds, whatever tomorrow holds, whatever 10 years into the future, if we're still here, whatever it holds, may God help us to stand strong with him. It's the only thing that matters in this life. And there are many things that we hope for, we wish for, we wish for blessings for our family. We wish that our job situation go on. We hope that our health is still good. All those things, but they're not the priority. The absolute priority for everybody's life is to stand for Jesus Christ. And listen, it's never supposed to be easy. Somehow we've got it in our minds. It's supposed to be easy. It is not supposed to be easy. It is supposed to be straightforward <laughs> following Jesus Christ. But we every day you and I wake up with the flesh that does not want to follow Christ. Every day we wake up in a world that is not commodious to walking with Christ. Every day we wake up with an adversary that is seeking to destroy the name of Christ. And our job is still the same. Proclaim the name of Christ. <laughs> and so the thing is, is that looks like, hey, man, that looks like everybody's against us. They are. But God is up to the task. A hundred percent of the time. And now listen, what happened with Stephen is from the world's perspective. Stephen lost. He was killed. He did not lose. He had an incredible testimony. And the last one of the last things that happened was they laid the, the, their, their coats at a young man's name whose name was Saul. And then you see in chapter nine, Saul of Tarsus, the church of Christ's greatest enemy on the planet is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And becomes the greatest proponent for Christ in that area. You cannot call Stephen's testimony a failure. It was an amazing success. Not by men's standards. By God's standards, it was an amazing success. And you look at Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. His life stood for Christ in an amazing way. Stephen's 
death had a great deal to do with that. I'm, I'm convinced of that. There's no reason not to believe that. And so um, Stephen is an extraordinary example of people speaking of him as an evildoer. Just what we saw in Peter. <laughs> but when they looked at him, they saw the face of an angel. That is the work of God. That is not Stephen as this magnificent orator. This is the work of God. And God is the same God ready to the same thing in all of our lives. We just need to ask God to, to help our lives to to be what he wants them to be for his glory. And so they they saw him, uh, they saw him with the face of an angel. And I had this note also, perhaps not only innocence, but bold, a bold messenger and a strong witness. That's what angel means. Angel means messenger. And so throughout the Bible, you see the name angel. And uh, and we all, we always have the picture in our brains of what angels might look like. And that that probably does apply. But not every time in Scripture is an angel a seraphim or a terror, you know, any of those things. Sometimes it's the Lord himself. The Lord himself comes down to bring the message from God. And, you know, and you see the Lord Jesus in the, in the book of Revelation and his and he is presented as and you see it in John chapter one, the word of God. He himself, the Lord Jesus himself, is the message of God. He himself is salvation. He himself is the message that God intends for the human race to receive. The word of God. And so our place as people who have received him is to share him. <laughs> that is our place. It is our privilege. It is our duty. And, and, and again, I often feel overwhelmed at the, at the suggestion of representing Christ in this world. And nonetheless, that's what we've been called to. So what is there to do? Lord, help me. <laughs> help me to be your, your messenger. Help me to be your man today. Whatever, whatever happens. And see, the thing is, is they all looked at Stephen's face. And at that moment, what they saw, is Stephen even aware of what they saw? I don't know. But what they saw was the face of an angel, the messenger of God. May God help us to be that person as well. The messenger of God. All these evil accusations they throw at him. They look at his face. They see the face of an angel. May God help us. That's exciting to me. That's pretty exciting. What God is doing is something that we don't know. We see ourselves, but other people might be seeing. May God help us. And so I, I like this also this verse in Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. Again, may God help us. That's what I would like for my life. <laughs> so as we move on here in first uh, in, in the so it's letter B and then letter I underneath that. This was Paul's hope and desire that God's work through Paul would have produced fruit bearing sons and daughters of God in Philippi. And you look at what you see there. In Philippi, there's a lot of things here. He, he, at the latter part of uh, chapter two, he's saying, you know, uh, I'll, I'll send I'll send um, um, Timothy. And he says, but Epaphroditus is already coming. And he's saying, but he wants to be able to send them the message of how things are going to fall out with him, because right now he's in a he's in a dangerous situation. And so uh, but as he is in this situation, he, Paul is hoping that what God is doing in his life is going to produce fruit-bearing believers in Philippi. And so uh, I have this note about that, that God had put in Paul a desire not for more professing Christians, not for more professing Christians, but those shining a light for Christ 
producing fruit others could see to the glory of God. And so I'll just read that again. God had put in Paul a desire not for more professing Christians, but for those shining a light for Christ, producing fruit others could see to the glory of God. So in in Galatians chapter 5, I'd like you to see this with me. Galatians chapter 5. And verse starting in verse 16. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. So this is Paul, of course. This I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the lust for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. So just quickly, this verse is describing the state of many Christians. He says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. That's the state of many believers in the world today. The flesh is lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And the battle is is instead of the child of God simply producing the fruit that we are supposed to, instead, there's just this conflagration this with the flesh. Now, the thing is, is God can overcome anything, but we are the person deciding on the course of our lives. We're the ones that wake up and either listen to God or we listen to the flesh or the world telling us and the flesh responding. So the point is, is that the flesh hinders The flesh hinders us. So again, it says, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. So lasciviousness is like unrestrained. Bad stuff, (laughs) sexual stuff, desire, Um, unrestrained. And verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, sedition, strife, seditions, heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us wa- also walk in the spirit. Let us not be de- desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And so you see in this passage, and God, and God often does this in the Bible, where he gives you not just, you know, because Satan often wants you to get to only look at the right now, only look at this, this instant in time and, and the temptation or the fear or the, uh, the intimidation or whatever it is. He only wants you to look at the right. God wants you to look down the road. See where these things go. <laughs> you give in to the temptation right now. Well, there's something after that. There is consequences and further temptation. You know, the person who's tempted with a little bit of, of alcohol, it almost never stops there. And, and there are people in this church, I'm sure, that could tell the testimony of where Giving in to temptation takes you, all of us can, to, to, about something. Giving in to a temptation, and, and lo and behold, it didn't stop there. It led to something else. Mm-hmm. Or it led further into the, to the, the addiction or whatever it is. And it, almost everything goes that way. 
God has a plan for our lives that includes victory and strength and going from faith to faith and glory to glory. And instead, the flesh wants to go down. It wants to go spiral down into a death spiral. Listen, God lays things out for us. There is a path of walking in victory in Jesus Christ. And there's the other way you could go. And so listen, our place is to look down the road and see where these things go. And, and that's what this passage says. The works of the flesh are manifest. And it starts off with adultery, fornication, unclean, all these things. They are, listen, they are, they're exactly what they appear to be. They're sinful. They're disgusting. They're wicked. And anybody who wakes up and their lives are filled with nothing but these things, they know they have not succeeded for Christ. And so our place is to, to say, I, I don't want to live that life. I want my life to shine for Christ. I would like to be like Stephen to get across the finish line, faithful to God to the end. Stephen won't have to regret the life choices that he made to let him there. And so listen, our place is to recognize you and I, all of us have these things that Satan would like to drop them on our shoulders, but we don't have to carry that. You see, in this passage, it says here, verse uh, 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you're born again, you live in the spirit. Mm -hmm. But the choice to walk in the spirit, that's our choice to make. And listen, even look at there's no place at which you can say, look at me. I chose I made the right choice. No, God leads you. (laughs) God leads you to that place. God prompts you and says, look, you've got to let go of all these things. You have to let go of sin. You have to let go of fear. You have to let go of everything that would hinder you from trusting in me and following in me. And so God puts the decision in our in our in in before us and tells us to have faith and confidence in him and walk with him. And part of that that process is crucifying the flesh. And so all that we talked about is that God wanted and he put the desire in Paul to see fruit bearing believers in Jesus Christ. It's not enough that someone receive Christ and believe. Praise God for that, because that means their eternity has been changed. They're, they're, They're citizens of heaven. But that's not the that's not the end result that God is looking for in our lives. He didn't leave us here just to be saved. He left us here that we could grow in Jesus Christ and become like him and bear these things. And and I was thinking about this, you know, so <laughs> you know how when you're familiar with something in the Bible and it's important and, you know, like John three sixteen, wonderful verse. I put that in my emails. It's signed my signature on my emails. Thank God for that. But anything you're familiar with can become something that rolls off your tongue without thought. <laughs> and, I, and, and so I was thinking about how it's funny that some many of us as Christians can just start further spirits, love, joy, peace, logs, <laughs> you know, just automatically come out like a machine gun fire. But does anyone know the other list? <laughs> the works of the, fl- of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but listen, the point is, is we you look at this list, verse verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's just thinking about each one of them. If people, the, the, this, this, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not just talking about something only you know, but it's a product that other people can see in your life. Your life, it, 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 it tends to glow with these things. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, 
faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so the point is, is that we need to surrender our hearts to God and say, Lord, do these things in me. Lord, my life is your garden. (laughs) And you see that in the Old Testament also in in Song of Solomon and other places that we are a garden. Now listen, is a garden overcome with weeds? Because it happens very easily. Amen? Any gardeners here? Come on, sister. (laughs) Weeds, you don't have to work at producing weeds. (laughs) Uh, They're there, man. Every day they're there. New ones every day. I don't I don't know almost nothing about gardening other than her garden. <laughs> and it's a constant battle. Listen, again, there's nothing that God cannot overcome. You can say, Lord, look at my garden. <laughs> Lord, this garden is a mess. <laughs> God can give you the grace to be the person that shines for Christ. That other people can look and they can say, man, those Christians, they're dirty, rotten, no count, no nothing. You know, and they look at you. Wouldn't you like to shine like Stephen did? That's what I would like for myself. Mm-hmm. Those those Christians, man, they're a bunch of no good. And then they look. <laughs> and, and again, it's not because we got it together because I look, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. and I'm saved. I can tell you, I don't got it together. But however. God can be at work in our lives in such a way that they see his work, his handiwork. And you look at too close at our lives, you're going to see a mess. <laughs> but God is faithful. And so we, we lift up ourselves, we lift up our lives to him. and We say, Lord, produce these things in me. Please make these things and please crucify that old man in me. Because mm-hmm. listen, he, he brings nothing to the, to the table that we want. The old man, the old nature in us, the one that constantly prompts you, prods you, demands of you something that is not good and is always bad. That's the flesh. You know, the flesh wants Pop-Tarts and and uh, and uh, Hot Pockets. And God has something better for us. You know, you can you can sit down and you can eat Pop-Tarts and ice cream all day long, but it won't produce something good. And listen, man, have you ever looked at the ingredients in those things? <laughs> Miss Mary, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, I, I don't know. Our, our taste buds have probably been trained to desire the wrong things. I know mine have. And she loves everything. She loves just about everything except for anchovies, right? And pretty much everything but anchovies uh, and can eat it all. But we still, we both struggle with chocolate and all these things. <laughs> you know, our kids give us cinnamon rolls. Yeah, yeah. We, we, our family got together to, uh, for, to celebrate Jonah's housewarming party and... And my one of our daughters, man, she makes these amazing, amazing cinnamon rolls. 
they're just they're fabulous. And uh, I, 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 I ate a lot of junk yesterday. And you know what? I came home and I didn't feel like exercising. <laughs> Amazing how that worked. <laughs> I ate bad all day that <laughs> didn't feel like exercising. Double whammy. So um, God had put in Paul a desire not for more professing Christians. But and again, we keep thinking that that's kind of the answer. Just more. We need more Christians in the world. No, we need people more like Christ. All of us to be like Christ and more fruit, fruit bearing Christians. Um, so uh, and, and so then also want to look at in comparison to Luke chapter 13 and verse six, Luke chapter 13 and verse six. So we were just talking about the garden and that kind of thing. But look at Luke chapter 13, verse six. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And then then said he unto the dresser of of his vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Folks, those those are some pretty sobering words. (laughs) Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this tree, this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that, after that, thou shalt cut it down. Now, listen, the Lord bought us. We belong to. To him, and really, in a very, in the absolute sense, God owns everything. Even people who do not know Him, they are living in His world, breathing His air, eating everything that God has provided for us. Every good thing on planet Earth today came directly from God. Every person on the planet is subsisting by His grace. Now, listen. Beyond that, yes, sir. We're, we're finishing up. Real, real quick here. <laughs> uh, so uh, beyond that, I have been born again. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. The scripture spells that out absolutely perfectly clear. And he has a right to come to me looking for fruit. He has a right to come looking into my life and looking for fruit. Um, I want you guys to see this in, in Isaiah chapter five. This, again, these are these are sobering. But man, it's it's the it's the absolute core truth of reality. Isaiah chapter five. Give you guys a second. Isaiah chapter five. Now I will now will I sing to my well beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. And it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I also will command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts 
is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. And again, this is brass tacks, bare truth. Now, when you see the house of Israel, you could say the same thing about America today. You could, because God has done much in this country. Now, and it says specifically, so it says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And look at this. He looked for judgment. He looked for people doing right for for judging rightly for men who are saying, no, 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 that's oppression. We're not going to allow that here. And listen, America has at times past had laws and judgment that were specifically for that purpose. Uh, Melissa and I have talked about this many times that there has been there's always been an undercurrent or there's always been things behind the, the curtain that we could not see. There's always been dirty deeds being done out of sight. And I, 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 I am certain America never rep- represented the ideal picture of mankind. I am I'm certain that's not true. But at one time in our society, we expected more. And yes, if there were things being done behind the scenes, that was still wrong. In the public square, that was wrong. And it was kept in the closet. It was kept out of sight. You know, and and so many things. And and, and we could list, you know, even branches of our government that had done wrong things around the world and here. And so listen, we've never been that picture-perfect ideal. But at the same time, what should be expected in the public square is a promoting of righteousness. And listen, folks, that is almost gone. It is almost entirely gone. So now the great evils of the world from the from the people's eyes are now people which are calling evil good and good evil. And so you listen, when we see things like for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is, is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his plant, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, behold, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. And so our place is to recognize God can look into our lives and say, I have expected more. I have expected righteousness. I have expected condemnation of evil. And so he can look at our country and say that, but he can look at me. He can look at our church. He can look at the churches of of America, the people who are supposed to be representing Christ and can say, I expected judgment and I expected righteousness. And listen, if God chooses to say, I, I, I expect this and I did not get this. And we saw that back in, uh, in Luke. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? That's God's place to make that decision. Our place is to say, Lord, please, please work in me what you wish to work. Make me into the person that shines for you, that people can see Christ in me. And then back to first Peter, where we're supposed to be ready with an answer to those that ask a reason of the hope that lies within it. God, make me the person that they see something that they know that they need. Lord, do that in me so that I can shine for you so that my life means something for Christ. And of course, the 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 alternative to that is just living life according to the whims of the flesh led by Satan in the world. We have to ask God to protect us from that. We have to ask God to make us sensitive to his Holy Spirit to be having our, our sails up. 
being led by the Word of God and not by the whims of the world, which are led by Satan. <laughs> Listen, all of us should feel intimidated by this. At the same time, the work is God's, not ours. So that we can have confidence that he can and will do everything according to his will. And I learned there's a verse, there's a promise in 1 John. If we ask anything according to his will, then we know he hears us and we have that which we have asked. So that puts it directly in our hands. Do I want to be a child of God bearing fruit to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a simple question to ask ourselves. Very simple. And there's no caveats. There's no, yeah, but, you know, I just can't raise the money to go to Bible college. That is not the scenario. The scenario is, do I want to be a child of God bringing forth fruit to God? If that is the desire of my heart, I can say, Lord, make me a fruit bearing Christian. He will fulfill that, that, that request. He will fulfill that because that's what his word says. And we can we can bank on that. That's better than than, than money in the bank. Yes, sir. We're closing up right now. <laughs> OK, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you do wish to do great works in every one of our lives. We do pray that you would help us to yield ourselves to you. Lord, day by day, there's always going to be a new a new challenge, a new uh, temptation, a new threat. Um, and we pray that you help us to cling to you, hold closely on, onto your hand and not let go. We pray, Lord, you would make us fruit bearing Christians and help us to shine for you no matter what uh, happens today or tomorrow or into the future. Help us to shine for you. Help our lives not to be racked by uh, the flesh or, or the world, but to help us to be led of you. And we thank you for your goodness. Bless in the coming hour for your glory and honor. Bless Pastor Ken. Give him the words to say, the power to speak. Help us to have open ears. And uh, open hearts to receive from you all that you have for us. Bless everyone here according to the need. And we thank you for this time we've had. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you.